From the Summer State Studios, this is the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast and brought to you by Liberty University. Bring your faith and your game to the premier ACHA M1 program on the East Coast. See us at liberty.edu. Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com, your hockey superstore with three Valley locations and across the country at BehindTheMask.com. Indiana Tech University, for ticket and schedule information for the two-time ACHA National Champions, go to IndianaTechWarriors.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson for lunch or catering your next office party. We are the best of barbecue Las Vegas style. University of Georgia Hockey, power school athletics tradition, college town atmosphere, and the building of a program like no other at UGAHockey.com. College Hockey, Inc., growing the game at the college level and beyond. Adrian College, championship hockey culture, and a nationally rated small private school education at adrianbulldogs.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. With Caesars Rewards, members can enjoy rates as low as $10 a room. Maryville University, the big city style of St. Louis, small school education. For more information, visit us at maryvillesaints.com or at maryville.edu. Summer Skates, order your custom koozies or shower shoes at summerskates.com and show your game in comfort and style. University of Mary Hockey, top flight hockey, intense rivalries, championship aspirations, and more. For schedule and ticket information, go to goyoumary.com. The Caesars Sportsbook app, the only app that lets you earn Caesars rewards. Please. The American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 podcast is a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strady and Stephen Marsh. All right. Welcome in, hockey fans, to a Wednesday night, which means it is American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 podcast. Scott Strandy with you tonight from a very warm Bakersfield, California, my co-host is Bot, and the championship city of Las Vegas, Nevada. I put that a little tongue-in-cheek. Stephen, how are you? Are you in Bakersfield or are you in North Texas? Can you really tell? <laughs> uh, West Texas, my West friend. Texas or whatever it is. Uh, I guess North Texas. Have you seen any oil rigs lately? Yeah, this, I, who knew this was the... Yeah, this was the oil capital of the West. Holy cow. I mean, it's on this place, and there's oil wells everywhere. Um, it's it's uh, different. It's nice. It's just different. It's, uh, you know, when you go from Palm Springs to Temecula to Newport Beach to Ontario, um, and you're in Bakersfield, and you're looking around, and you're going like, Man, am I still in California? I'm just like 110 miles from from the center of L.A. Yeah, yeah, I am. Home of the Bakersfield Condors. It's also the home of uh, the House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> but can't and, be Buck <laughs> and Buck Owens. And Buck Owens. And Buck Owens. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's so, uh, it, it, it's so crazy. Out, I've been here since Friday night. Nine out of ten ain't bad. Nine out of ten ain't bad. 
Okay. <laughs> I will you can figure out which one is that. the one that's the bad I'm thing. We give another shout out loud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will also say that I do want to give a shout out to uh, Jesse and the guys over at Jay's Mobile Auto Repair uh, for getting the uh, 2014 Nissan Altima back on the road after the air conditioning went out. It was a nightmare, and they made it seem like nothing. Um, I, I'll say it again. These guys do mobile service. They also have a, uh, a shop. Uh, I took our car into the shop because it needed an air conditioning uh, compressor and a drive belt and all of these different things. And man, oh man, not only did they come back about $400 less than any other quote I got, but they, um, they did this work, Stephen. I dropped it off Monday afternoon about 3.30, and he called me at 10.30, and Jesse said, yeah, your car's ready. I'm going like, holy cow, you did all that in that time? Yeah, they did. At a great price, great service, got a 24,000-mile warranty on compressor on the belt. Um, nationwide warranty, by the way, because you know I'm all over the place. So anything happens, I can go anywhere uh, and get it serviced. So anyway, shout out to Jay's Mobile Auto Repair, 661-772-6121. Find them on Yelp, as I did, by simply searching the best mechanics in Bakersfield. So yeah, Jesse, that's uh, that's a shout out to you for all the hard work and great work you do you do and did. As as Paul Ernstein would say, it's good to be the king. <laughs> oh, <man>. The <laughs> king of what is what I'm asking you right now, my friend. <laughs> well, that's get up to, that's up to get up for interpretation. <laughs> but I will say, but when I say this, do we have a new well, we have a new partner soon. It sounds like uh, <laughs> maybe we could close the deal there and, and get them to be on board with us. Well, we're working on that. There's also uh, some new ones coming on. Our newest one right now is going to be joining us here shortly. Um, the head coach from the Maryville Women's Program. Not only do they have a Maryville Women's W1, they have a W2 program, and they just get better and better every single year. So we're going to have their head coach joining us here in just a couple minutes. A uh, couple things we didn't get to last week that I thought maybe we needed to get to. Uh, we're still waiting on a lot of schedules for a lot of our uh, ACHA, uh, AAU teams. Um, so uh, that's going on. But there's some news coming out of UNLV and some signings. You going to update us on it's, that since you're the UNLV guy? Yeah, we're trying to get away from that. I know I'm the UNLV guy, but I get so much flack for being the – too much of a homer here. I'm trying try to make myself more neutral. But but here's the thing. It seems awfully late that we don't have schedules. Usually by now, we're well into the schedules. I know you love schedules. I kind of a schedule guy too and love to see all those things. And and uh, I'm surprised. Here we are in – this is the last week of July. Um, still having something hibernated. I'm running out of time to get that in. But Yeah, that's uh, not going to happen, my friend. <laughs> I told Maybe you that. August, that's I'll not happening. Maybe August I'll get a couple weeks in before, <laughs> before we get to September. <laughs> But uh, anyway, no, you won't. <laughs> There's no hibernation. Anyway, uh, anyway let me no, let yeah, me I, bring this up because you what you uh, have found out is that uh, are a couple of big things in ACHA hockey. Uh, goaltender Landon uh, Pavelson is retiring uh, from the Rebels and from hockey, competitive hockey. Correct? Yes, that is correct. He is going. He is retiring. He, um, I think, he's got some injury stuff or something. So he's. Had a really great season with UNLV. Went overseas and played at the over there and over overseas. Romania. Romania. I was trying to remember where it was at. Romania, 
World Cup of University Hockey. And uh, yeah, so that was that was uh, that was uh, news. But they've uh, they signed UNLV has been putting stuff out there. They've had a bunch of players come in, and there's been some some new players that are going to be coming in the fold. Um, so people can go to the website. There's we don't need to go through them all here, but uh, you know we're we're trying to anyways. Um, anyway, they replaced their goaltender with another well, they, pretty good one. Well, I think they still got. I think Zach Wickham is, Wickham is still no. Good. I yeah. I, I'm not saying but, they replaced added, their goal. They added, added to their roster, so they have a third goaltender Sam, again. Sam Levitchi. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and what's interesting with him from from the print the uh, read on him that was put on their website was that he UNLV held a prospect camp in April. And he came to that, and uh, he showed his discipline to playing style, determination, dedication to joining UNLV. Helped him stand out to coaches uh, Raboni and uh, and McNeary Greener. So uh, those kind of things can help. We we talk about the pro level, how development camps and stuff can lead to contracts and stuff. If you're you know, and that happens for happens a lot, or happens in some cases. It, it happens here in a way. Uh, he comes out to prospect camp. Obviously, probably was uh, whether he was they invited him or he. Wanted just to come out and and uh, is obviously going to be on the team at some some capacity. So uh, so that's exciting there. So um, okay, yeah, so, you know, he's making some moves. So some other stuff going you on know, too. What do I say? Relevancy, relevancy, my friend. <laughs> All right, we'll get to some more stuff after our guest. Right now, let's take a quick break. Let's hear from a couple of our partners, and then we'll come right back and introduce you to the head coach from the uh, Maryville Saints women's program, the W1 program, in just a couple of minutes. Play at the premier ACHA D1 men's program on the East Coast and prepare yourself for life and career at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. Sellout crowds, top competition, and championship aspirations await you on our picturesque campus with state-of-the-art facilities, faculty in over 700 programs to study to help you make an impact on and off the ice as well as your community training as a champion for strong see if liberty hockey and liberty university is right for you visit us at liberty.edu The University of Arizona Wildcats return to the Tucson Arena September 29th. Join the tradition and become a part of the legacy of hockey in the old Pueblo. Cheer on your five-time Cactus Cup champions as the Wildcats pursue a national championship after a promising off-season of key roster additions. Visit ArizonaWildcatHockey.org for schedule and ticket information and follow us on social media. Bear down and rise up. New challenges, new level, same quest. Join us at the University of Mary for the 2023-24 hockey season as the two-time ACHA M2 champions bring that championship pedigree to the M1 level. Watch the Marauders take on local rivals Minot State, Jamestown University, and national powers Missouri State, Illinois State, Colorado State as they look to add to their hockey legacy. Head to GoMary.com to find out how you can support University of Mary Hockey. Hi, 
passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goal. He scores. Kale McCarr. Campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Looking for the big school college hockey experience in a small school setting? And Maryville University, located in St. Louis, Missouri, could be for you. Fielding five teams across all divisions of the ACHA since 2018 and playing just minutes from campus in the 1,000-plus seat Maryville University Hockey Center, the Saints enjoy a first-class athletic experience as they compete against ACHA powers like Ohio, Liberty, Minot State, and Illinois State. For more information about all things Maryville, visit maryville.edu. All right, welcome back in, hockey fans, to another episode of the American Collegiate Hockey Top Twenty Podcast. Scott Strand with you tonight. Very return there. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 getting used to my new system here, and I couldn't find. My, my apologies. Uh, we do have a, a drop for it, so we'll get to it. Uh, anyway, uh, I am in Bakersfield, California, where it's very hot, podcasts. doing some AHL stuff for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, why wouldn't we? Uh, Stephen Marsh, as you can hear him chiming in, as he often does, from uh, Las Vegas. We've got a great guest on that. First time it's on the show. First time that just, we've... Uh, I finally figured out how I can counteract you. <laughs> Uh, you can't, Conrad. Man, it doesn't work. <laughs> anyway, we got the head coach from the Maryville Women's W1T. Yeah, no, you. Anyway, <laughs> don't break up my introduction. Tommy, Tommy Langsman will come on the show and, and tell us about uh, the program at Maryville, a St. Louis guy. Tommy, you got Scott and Stephen with you. Thanks so much for coming on. You and I have had a couple of text messages here and there, and it's great to uh, have you on the show and talk to Maryville Saints women's hockey. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, now your boss, uh, John Hogan, told me that uh, you're a talker, and he said, just get ready. He's going to talk. <laughs> so I'm ready. So let's start with this thing. Uh, a St. Louis guy, you've uh, grew up in that area and played a lot of hockey in that area and then moved on and played just about anywhere you can in the world. Am I close? You're pretty close to that. That is correct. So, yeah, it All started, right. started growing up in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, um, started, started really young, probably two years through on the skates and, you know, just rolling around in the house on uh, skate guards and breaking in skates. Uh, Hall and Oates were uh, pretty big then. So that kind of got me into it and, you know, played, played youth hockey here uh, for the Afton Americans here locally and then played juniors and just kept on going from there and uh, went all the way through Quebec major juniors. And then, started pro and played till I was 28. Like you said, kind of all around from the West coast to the East coast to uh, the Netherlands and everywhere in between. 
All right, let me stop you with that. The Netherlands, tell us what it's like to be from St. Louis, Missouri, uh, play all over the United States, and then all of a sudden go to the Netherlands. What was the biggest thing that, that you had to adapt to playing over there, Tommy? I would say the language, just trying to figure out how to order food, um, you know, just trying to navigate <laughs> around. You know, we had a good setup there. Um, you know, we our, our owner was he, he was fair to us. And, you know, we live probably three, four minutes from where the rink was walking or biking. But it took like 15 minutes because you had to drive all the way around town. So we just had bikes and we rode our bikes to and from practice. We rode them to and from restaurants kind of around town. But if we needed to go out of town, we had a car that we could use. Um, but, yeah, just the language barrier and, you know learning to adjust to their life and it's it's completely different over there you know they take they take uh hour and a half breaks in the middle of the day so they can go home and nap you know you're not going to get that here in the united states but uh you know they had a they had an alcohol <laughs> at lunch you could drink beer or wine or you know liquor at lunch that was that was normal for them on the job they got an hour and a half lunch break every day so that was kind of interesting to see sounds like our kind up. of touch sounds like our okay. kind of touch hold on a second steven i've <laughs> I was going to tell Tommy that, that work, working for us naps in the middle of the day. just had my call, Stephen Marsh and, and Paul Hornsey. They get a nap every day. <laughs> it's me that doesn't get summer, the nap. I, I, keep, I keep trying to tell him I need a summer hibernation, but I'm not getting that. <laughs> I wanted to ask, are you, you, you said Netherlands. I'm watching, I've got the uh, USA-Netherlands women's uh, FIFA World Cup game on. Are you... Are you more legion now, of course, to the states, or are you are you rooting for Netherlands or? Um, I, well, I was actually in. So technically, I was closer to Belgium than I was to Amsterdam in the Netherlands. So um, Belgium was neat. That's uh, you know, I saw a, a few local soccer games, um, and that's when you know about four years later when Belgium made the run to the round of sixteen, probably two World Cups ago, if I recall. Um, so. I recognize a few players on that, but as far as U.S. Netherlands, it's uh, USA all the way. That was a softball question. I was hoping that was what he was going <laughs> Netherlands is up one nothing right now, though, by the way. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go rub it in. Just, just, just rub it in, and, and maybe, our, maybe our guest will punch you one day when he sees you, kind of like what Rick Zombo would do to you. <laughs> and John Hogan's gonna anyway, put me in the fourth um, row uh, when I'm go see him next time because of, yeah, he uh, he said he was. So I, I'm sure Tommy could do the same. <laughs> All right, so uh, Tommy, talk a little bit about uh, this program at Maryville, uh, the stuff that that John has done on the men's side, and you've done, I'm sure, with the men and women's programs. But uh, does does it sometimes feel surreal? that uh, all this has happened in such a short period of time uh, at Maryville University? Yeah, it's um, it's been a wild ride the past. You know, this this year was the first year that uh, it felt, felt like a normal year. Um, so our first year starting up, 2019-2020 uh, season, when I had basically kind of a year to recruit, um, you know, girls for the program. Um, yeah, I was still coaching the AAA Lady Blues team here locally, and I would use those trips to also um, recruit on, as well as going on my own and scouting also out of town. And it was going good. You know, we had, I think, 
12 to 13 girls signed a letter of intent and another five or six having visits lined up for April, May, June, you know, that were very heavily interested in our program. And then, uh, you know, COVID hit. So that put a damper on everything, uh, recruiting wise. And, you know, so I was up to 15, 17 girls at that point, lost four recruits due to COVID um, in late July that just physically said, you know what, our families don't feel safe with me crossing the border into the U.S. You know, Canada was fine at the time still. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was fun times. You go from having 17 players expected to show up to 12 to 13 skaters, uh, including goalies uh, at that time. So it was uh, quite an eye-opening experience. You know, we were playing the big dogs too. So that didn't help us either. So we were playing Lindenwood University five times that year and they were ranked number two and three in the country. So, uh, you know, our first game was good, but then uh, then we got shellacked. And, you know, as I kind of told the girls, you got to take your growing pains, you got to take your lumps and, you know, one day we'll be returning the favor. But for right now, this is, you, you want to be playing college hockey, you want to play the big dogs, you, there's no mercy in college hockey. Um, so we, we got some... Uh, growing pains through that and slowly started rebuilding. And, you know, we weren't national eligible our first year when we did play during a COVID season. So it didn't really matter there, but come the next year, you know, we hit the ground running recruiting, recruited 10 new freshmen that year, um, you know, made, made some gains in the standings. We were ranked number nine or 10, I want to say by the season's end and the national ranking qualified for nationals. Um, upset number four, Adrian at nationals in the first game. And then, um, you know, this year we recruited another eight, nine freshmen. Uh, and we were ranked as high as number six in the country. And we lost to, uh, you know, we won our first game against Arizona state and then, uh, beat, uh, lost to Minot three to one in the quarterfinals who ended up going, you know, losing to Liberty in the finals. But, it's been a whirlwind because even with this year, um, we started up our D2 program. So not only did I recruit, you know, basically nine freshmen for my team, I also recruited 10 freshmen for that team. And uh, we sent nine or eight girls down from the D1 team to the D2 team that, um, you know, weren't able to, you know, compete at a high enough level or have enough um skill to be playing at the D1 level, we'll say, as we grew the program, you know, better people came in. It was kind of a polite way to see it, and they understood, and they wanted to play hockey, and it was the right fit for each one of those players. So now we sit with 47 girls in three years at Maryville University um, with this incoming freshman class for two teams. Uh, that is absolutely incredible uh, when you think about it. Uh, Tommy, I'll tell you, when uh, when we first started this seven, eight years ago almost now, um, I sat down with Lindsay Ellis as she was starting the Arizona State program, and uh, she was telling me how difficult it was for the first couple of years because there was only a dozen girls. And I'd say, how do you practice a penalty kill or a power ball? She says, I can't. You know, I've only got enough to, to run basically a, a line versus line scrimmage, and um, I didn't really have that opportunity. And now it just continues on um, is grow a program in a non-traditional market. And St. Louis is certainly more traditional to hockey in the middle part of the country. But, um, 
man, congratulations on growing that Maryville program because that's exciting. You guys have a beautiful building, a great campus, and it, it sounds like recruiting is not too hard. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off of your comments about Lindsay. You know, our so our our, C, our first year started in COVID. You know, we had to follow guidelines. So for thankfully, we were able to get on the ice September one, right after Labor Day. But uh, with that amount of kids, we were able to have five skaters and one goalie on each half of the ice. So we had to do pod training, no power play, no penalty kill. You couldn't even mix up your lines. You had to guess your lines prior to it due to the fact of uh, quarantine. If somebody got COVID, you know, then that whole pod would get shut down and you had to have one goalie because we only had two goalies. One goalie would have to flip flop between both groups. So that person was exposed, but um, it was crazy. Yeah. We, so we had one practice before our very first game ever as a program, as a team practice, we had one practice before our first ever game against Lindenwood. Um and it's just taken off from there. You know, we, like I said, we're, we're growing, we're, we're getting girls from, you know, Western Canada all the way to Alaska. Uh, we got girls from Florida, all in our program. Uh, we haven't hit the, I guess you can say the Northeast or Nova, past Nova Scotia area of Canada. And we got a girl from Austria on our team. So um, we've even hit Europe already. So it's, Things are going well, lots of recruits, and we're actually having a prospect camp here uh, next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, just to you know, start that part of the branding program and getting the women's side out there just as big as the men's side is ready with John. Yeah, so you just kind of touched on that. I was going to bring this up at some point, your prospect camp. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that and, and how important are those kind of things to – to get, we talked about in the sh- early in the show that you and if we had a prospect camp, they get a player out of it that they liked. So, how important is it to have have those prospect camps to kind of see what you can bring to your team? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's more exposure. You know, for example, we've got girls coming down from Toronto for this exposure uh, prospect camp. We've got girls coming in from Minnesota, Nebraska, Chicago, um, Wisconsin. Um, and then we got some local kids here too. And I think we might even have a girl from Atlanta too. And then, um, you know, maybe a potential transfer, uh, or two, maybe down the line, you never know that are coming out to skate. So, um, you know, it's, it's all about branding and getting out there. You know, we are going into our true third year of the program. I don't count COVID as a season. So we're trying to get it out there so that we're getting emails just like the Liberties, the Minots, the Midlands, um, that are the top, you know, the top five teams in the country. You know, Indiana Tech and Adrian are right there also um, in those classes. So uh, we want to be able to show that hey, we're a hop, skip, and a jump from the Toronto market. I've got you know seven Toronto kids on my roster. I'm getting out west to Calgary and uh, Saskatoon area. We've got five girls from out there on our roster and we've got five local AAA players here and the rest are from California and um, you know, kind of all over the map. I know I'm missing some, but it just goes to show that those markets are out there and who can tap into those markets and start finding those diamond in the rough players that nobody is seeing and getting those girls to contact you first in those emails so that you have first dibs on them instead of being fourth or fifth in line and not getting them like I was you know, when I started the program and in year one and year two, now I'm getting those. So, um, you know, obviously you gotta, you gotta win hockey games and show 
show that you have a product that is successful and then also with your university, the degrees and the education that they are coming for are top notch also. So that um, when when push comes to shove, you win out that battle when they're trying to make a decision over somebody for their campus. Tommy, let's uh, let's dig into the schedules because uh, I really like schedules. Uh, it's one of the most uh, most intriguing preseason things because you kind of get to put stuff down on paper. You know, you're not going to be able to really tell until teams to play games and you have some film on them, but. Uh, your schedule is is really solid, and uh, you'll start off with McKendry and then uh, an immediate road trip out to Arizona. Did nobody tell you you're supposed to go to Arizona in January? <laughs> I was told I was told to go early or late September or late December. Um, okay. It's a good thing you're not going right <laughs> now. Boss. It's a good thing you're not going right now in July because they've had about 20 straight days. I think of 110 plus in in Arizona. <laughs> I used to go to Vegas in uh, mid July over over my birthday weekend before yeah, it's we pretty started hot having here too, kids, yeah. and it would be 100 105 yep. degrees in the pool. But uh, yep. it's it pretty hot fine here when too, you're doing that. <laughs> okay, so so tell us uh, the battle with McKendry is real. Yeah, so uh, we're going, yeah, we're going both on the men's and women's side, right? Yeah, true. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, with McKendry, I know Derek very well. He helped uh, assistant coach on my AAA teams for four years, right, when he took that McKendry job. So, uh, yeah, it, it's great. You know, last year, um, you know, we kind of had their number. The previous two years before that, they had our number. Last year, we went 4-0-1 against them. Um, and the previous years, we were like 1-7 against them, you know, our first two and a half years. So, um you know tides are turning but again he's got a nice solid recruiting class coming in so it's always it's always a battle against uh mckendry and your battles with with arizona state and grand canyon that's kind of nice when you can go to tempe and then uh you know drive 10 miles over to grand canyon and and get four games in in you know what uh, a long weekend i guess right yeah, we're going to do four games in four days. So we're going to fly in on late Wednesday, and then we're going to play Thursday, Friday against ASU, and Saturday and Sunday morning against uh, Grand Canyon. So, um, you know, that, our first game against oh, – that's our second game against ASU, I guess you can say. They beat us in our very first year. They beat us down in Missouri State when Lindsay hosted a showcase down there. And, uh, you know, we just played them recently in our first game at Nationals. Uh, we beat them – Three one or four one, I can't remember. Um, very good game, but uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, getting back. Uh, you know, we're gonna play them four times this year. They're gonna come. We're going there in September, and they're coming to St. Louis in January. You didn't give your team enough credit. It was a two nothing shutout uh, in, in the game against Arizona Sorry. State. Okay. No, I thought I know that you have so many games. It's hard to, to remember. So to bet, uh, but Caitlin Carden had a, t- a shutout for that game, and and uh, yeah, you guys went. You beat Asa two two nothing. So that was uh, impressive. So that'll be good that you get get to play them again and and uh, and do that. Um, just other other standouts from your schedule. I mean, I haven't had a chance to look through it all yet, but uh, you're gonna have. Um, how do you like the way that the schedule just shakes out from just a general sense, a mixture of home and away, and, and maybe some of the opponents. Uh, that you play that especially for people that maybe aren't as familiar with, with your guys's program yet and, and and that side of things yeah it's uh it's great you know last year we played the second hardest schedule in the country you know and I, I'm, I'm a true believer if you want to play me let's play at the end of the day um 
I don't care who, you know, not, not, not talking any smack or anything, but it, it, at nationals, it just becomes another, you don't have to look at it and say, oh, we're playing Liberty. Well, yeah, Liberty spanked us. And then last year, the last time we played them, we lost three to one. Um, we've had close games with them and we're getting better, but it's, it's just another game. You're not looking at it like, oh, we're going to lose this game. No, we've been in every single game that we've played a team. We've been there. So, you know, we've got a little bit of a murderer's row, as I like to call it. Uh, if you look at last season's rankings and just who we play, you know, um, starting end of October on Halloween weekend, basically, you know, we got Midland there. are Those are dog fights against uh, Midland and Maryville. And then we're hopping on the bus to go play Minot twice in Jamestown up in North Dakota. And then we come home and we play Adrian and then we hit the road again the next weekend to go to Liberty. So we got four weekends in a row of basically, you know, top five opponents. Um, it, it's, it's how I like it. If you're going to be playing, you want to play the best teams because at the end of the day, you got to beat the best no matter when it is. And if we can beat them early in the season, we'll, we got better chances of beating them at the end of the season just with how things kind of shake out. And we're doing all our travel first semester next year. So like you've already said, we go to Arizona State, uh, we fly out there and then we get home. And then we turn around the next Friday, Saturday, and we're at Miami, Ohio. And then we got uh, first time ever playing Michigan Dearborn. And then, like we just talked about, Halloween weekend through uh, basically Thanksgiving break, we got that uh, four-weekend stretch of Midland, Minot, uh, Jamestown, and then Adrian and Liberty. Come home after Thanksgiving, and we got uh, Lindenwood at home. So uh, end the season there, and uh, we don't leave second semester until our conference tournament at the end of February at Liberty University. Tommy, for those that aren't familiar um, with where Maryville is situated, um, it's a mix for you guys of flying, obviously, some places and busing some places. Um, but it, it, it's kind of a nice place. And the, the uh, ACHA National Tournament coming back to Centene, uh, you have to love that. And uh, the St. Louis area has become a real hockey hotbed, even hotter than it was. And, and you know, you look at the guys that are in the NHL right now and stuff, there's plenty of names. But, boy, it's really nice to see college hockey taking a step forward. And you guys are a big part of it. So just uh, pump your chest out a little bit. Tell people why they should come and, and play hockey at uh, Maryville. Yeah, I mean, to, to exactly what you said. It's been growing ever since I started playing hockey in the early 90s. And it's still that way in, you know, 2019. It's boomed even more since the Blues won the Cup in 19. And now here we are in 2023. Um, you know, our AAA teams have 97% local players on them with a few out-of-towners. Um, where when I was coaching there 10 years ago, eight years ago, we had, you know, seven in-town girls. So to your point, hockey's gone crazy. And, uh, you know, we're proud to be a big part of it at Maryville and looking to grow the game. And, you know, with our youth organization inside a rink at Chesterfield, um, growing the women's program there and, you know, just everything that St. Louis has to offer, you know, it's a big city with a small town feel. And, you know, even the NHL players will say it, they come back here, they live here, they start investing in the, in the coaching of the kids. And, you know, hopefully we get some of them that have girls and, uh, stay here and start coaching some AAA girls teams like they do the boys teams. And that's only going to help, help grow the game more. And, you know, at Maryville, we're hoping that happens. And, um, 
you know, get some more girls and grow the talent level and make sure that we become, uh, you know, the, one of the top teams in the country that people want to go to and winning hockey games and winning national championships is the next step that we have to do to become that powerhouse that we're trying to build, both men and women. All right, let me follow that up by saying um, Liberty has become a juggernaut in the women's programs. And as you prepare to play them, uh, regular season, tournament time, whatever it is, as a coach, how do you approach that, uh, knowing what they are and what they have? And how do you build your roster uh, up against that? I know coaches will tell us all the time that, that they just worry about their own team. They don't really worry about playing others. But you know as well as anybody that you still got to be aware of who your opponent is. So how do you go against them? I'm just using them as an example because of what they've done in the national scene for so many years. Um, how do you go about building a team that can be competitive and maybe knock them off? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely you're definitely trying to worry about yourself, just like you said. But at the same time, you, you do have a game plan going in. You know, you're trying to shut down the the fussy sisters. You're trying to shut down the battles and the Carly Glover. And then on the back end, you know, you've got their D out there. You've got Madison Glenn. You've got I know they graduated a few more girls this year, but you know they had powerhouses before that. And you know, it's hey. You, you need your goalie to stand on her head and then you've got to, you've got to cash in on your chances, you know, and, and our three, one game, it was one, one going into the third period and just went in a face off and one of their girls set in a pick and bumped it back to the D D takes a shot from the blue line. Goalie never sees it crossbar in two, one game in the third period. They win three, one, just that simple play of, you know, not getting around that pick. But that's what those number one teams do. They set those plays. They get that break. They make sure it counts. You know, um, that's that's kind of how it goes on the women's side. Men men are probably a little different, but without the physicality of open ice hits, it's it's all about you know that one break. Are you are you going to make it and score the goal, or is the goalie going to bail you out and give you the next break to uh, try and take the lead? Well, you walked me right into my next question, Stephen. I'm sorry if I cut you off, but um, I, I, I want to ask you this, Tommy, because you played, obviously, at, at some of the highest levels that men play at, and I can just tell in your voice uh, that you've got a passion for coaching these women uh, to, to be their very best. Um, there are differences, obviously, so um, what's your passion? Why, why is this something that you enjoy doing and building the roster that you're doing and working with them and watching them get better day in and day out. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I never had any interest in coaching girls hockey. You know, I started out um, when I got done playing, you know, just started doing some private lessons for a company here in town. And all of a sudden, you know, on Wednesdays at four 30 at the mills complex out in St. Charles, uh, North County area, um, we were running an all girls skate. And just so happened, you know, it was, it became fun. And it, they, you know, one thing I like to say versus the men versus the women is, you know, men growing up, you know, you can cuss them out left, right, center, look at them and it goes in one ear out the other, they're fine. But when you tell a girl something, they take it to heart and they really internalize it and they don't want to disappoint. They don't want to let you down. So they take what you're saying to heart and they want to get better. And they look at you. And they say, if he's doing this, he really means we need to do it. 
that, you know, whether it's winning a wall battle, blocking a shot, whether it's making smart line changes, smart dumps, you know, sacrificing the body, whatever it is, they understand that where, you know, given private lessons, you're a has-been, you're retired now. And it's the girls don't look at it that way where guys do. So um, that's kind of where the passion started. They asked me to start coaching AAA and, you know, we had some great success, made some national semifinal appearances and, you know, my name kind of got thrown around and, Coach Hogan kind of kind of talked and cards fell into the lap and you know here we are three four four years later going in and uh, you know building a program that I take a lot of pride in and um, you know I think I think we have what the, what it takes this year to be a top five program and to be uh, playing in that national semifinal that's our goal is you know we've been in the quarterfinals twice we've lost now it's this now it's on me to recruit better and. Um, hopefully I did my job this year and we'll find out come, come September, but, um, you know, I like what I've done. We've reevaluated our back end and, uh, put a lot of time and effort into that. And then we've added some depth up front that, uh, have some openings to, uh, really succeed this year. All right. I want to kind of move it to the roster a little bit. Uh, just kind of tell the folks about maybe your roster makeup about, how many people are coming back from last year? We mentioned in goal that uh, Cardin, who had that shutout against Arizona State in, the, in last year's tournament, just t- talk about the roster makeup and how that's shaking up for this upcoming season. Yeah, well, you know, as a, as a youthful program, we uh, on the D1 team, we still have not graduated a player yet. <laughs> so everybody returns. Um, but yeah, our makeup, you know, we've got, we've got a little bit of size we added this offseason. We've got the speed. I think we're one of the faster teams in the league that can play with pace and we can, we can do it for 60 minutes. Um, You know, like we talked about already, uh, Caitlin Catterain and Sawyer Duncan, they're both back. Uh, Sawyer is a senior. Caitlin will be a junior. Um, So we got goalies set there. Um, Our D we're bringing in three or four defensemen this year. So we'll have eight defensemen and then we're uh, 13 forwards. We had a player, but uh, she got injured over the summer. So she's going to miss a little bit of time to start the year. Tommy, tell us about the environment uh, at uh, Maryville as well. John tells me all the time about how great it is, and I've been there, so I've seen uh, some of the men's side of things. But um, I've seen the the locker room. I've seen the women's locker room. He showed me around pretty much. And um, talk about the environment and just how great it is to play there and your fan base for the women's side. Yeah, it's great. You know, we're we're treating it just like it's an NCAA Division One program. That's the way we treat it. So you know, they've got their locker room they've got their custom wood stalls there's tvs there's sound system you know they've got everything they need stick racks they've got it all um practicing four or five times a week off ice workouts um university takes great care of us so they've got nothing to complain about except come and put on their work boots every day to get better and uh get get the game plan detailed out for two or three wins on the weekend this year we'll have a few four well two four game weekends so uh get four wins in a weekend but it's all about the culture, you know, and that's one thing that John talked about when we started this program and brought me in and we were kind of saw eye to eye on that right away. And, um, you know, it, it starts with me and trickles down and um, on the women's side. And, you know, if you get that culture, that's one thing that uh, that family mentality that these girls have. I call it a sisterhood. They, you know, I grew up in the brotherhood on the guy's side, uh, you know, laying your body out there for one another on the line every single game. And, you know, they've, they've taken to that pretty well. And, you know, they, they know when I'm, you know, I'm going to crack the whip as I call it, you know, 
you know, I'm the jockey, they're the horse. You yell at them so many times, they're going to throw you off. They're just going to stop listening. So uh, you got to pick and choose your battles with that. But uh, they, they've, they've listened well and they've grown. And I think it goes to show each year we've gotten more wins. We've moved up the rankings. And I think this is, this is going to be a big year for us. And um, hopefully, you know, they're all ready through summer training that we've got them on and coming in in three and a half weeks. I think they show up to campus in three and a half weeks and we start practicing then. All right, I got, I got to follow that up with um, you talked about recruiting and what you've had to do for the W1 and the W2 side of things, but um, give us a little peek inside what a recruiting trip is like. And um, A, do, uh, do the girls and the, and the parents know where Maryville is and about your program right now, or is it still a little bit of an introduction part of it? And uh, once you do get through that, that front door, um, what's it like and, and what can you tell them about the university and about your program that maybe locks them down? Yeah, it's, it's still getting out there. Um, you know, this is my first, you know, really we didn't travel our first year for COVID because everything was still on lockdown, our first true season, as I call it. So it was all over the, uh, you know, hockey TV, live barn, you know, video that gets sent to me. Um, last year I was in Toronto for Stony Creek. That's a big tournament where they have the top 64, 65 teams in Toronto and Canada. Uh, go there for a weekend. And this year I'm actually going to be heading out to Calgary, Alberta, uh, for the fire starter tournament out there in September, that's going to be, uh, the big trip for me this year and just getting, I've got, you know, five girls out there, but it's all about, excuse me, getting to know the coaches, getting to see face to face, you know, you can only get a gauge on somebody via emails and watching the games and talking to them on the phone. But when you meet somebody face to face, you can kind of get a feel for what that coach is like. And if, you know, I'm politely saying he's, he's bullshitting you uh, with some players and what he says, there's smoke, there's fire, or if he's telling you the truth and you can get that gauge on a person and same for the families. Um, so that's, that's big for me. And, you know, I think once you get girls from each league in on your team um, and you're winning, they take note of that. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, that helps you get that introductory in there. That that coach takes your call. That coach answers that email within 48 hours instead of it being three, four weeks later, he gets to it. Um, and that's happening for us now. You know, we're getting those, you know, Western Canadian kids reaching out. We're getting the Toronto kids. We're getting some of the West Coast, uh, California, Michigan, um, Nova Scotia area, you know, we're getting those emails now that are paying off because of the past success we've had. And they can see that the program is beating teams that they're talking to. Um, and now we're able to beat out some of those top end schools for players because maybe we're just a little bit cheaper or they see that they're going to come in and play right away. They're not going to have to sit a year. Um, and that's a big battle with NCAA schools. And so with us still growing each year and adding a second team opened up a lot more spots for us that, we can we can not guarantee, but we can say, hey, we expect you to play as a freshman. We expect you to be on this line. Now it's up to you. Prove it. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of coaches don't have that flexibility because the, some of them have 27 to 30 kids where we're going to be at 24. So we still have room to grow with the next class, even though we only lose three girls this year of our first class. <laughs> so um, we'll have three or four fifth year players that are going to play an extra year or four that would graduate this year. They're going to play a fifth year. So we'll have a big class the following year, but 
um, those are, you know, things that every team is dealing with, but we still have that flexibility to grow and we can tell players, Hey, we'd love to have you come back for a fifth year if you want to, instead of, no, we don't have room for you. Like some schools have to do. All right. Let me, let me ask you this, just about your coaching style in general. I mean, you obviously played pro hockey for several years at the ECHL on different levels. Um, you've been around different, different coaches. So what, was there anything that from from your playing time that you were able to pick up, and in, in coaching style and how you if, now that you're coaching you're trying to do or or just something totally different or, or anything about that? No, you take something from every every organization you played for, every coach you played for. You you put things in the back of your mind of hey, this was good, this was bad. Let's let's remember those things, and then you adapt to the hand that you have in front of you with the players you have and. Um, you're going to tinker little things here and there, but at the end of the day, um, with what you're recruiting to get, you know what you have, and then let's try and just move one thing or two things, not five things from them to fit your system. You know, I like to give my players some creativity once they get inside the blue line, but from the D zone to the red line, it's it's pretty clear what we need to do. And um, once we cross that red line, you know, they don't have anything they're putting it in and we're going two on the four check they hit the blue line and they you know they want to pull up they want a soft chip give and go you know they've got creativity there and inside the blue line they've got the creativity they can do what they want but um if we're going to turn a puck over we're going to make them we're going to make them go 200 feet we're not going to give them you know 75 80 feet left when we're going north now we got to turn around um on that turnover we we keep it pretty simple we play blue collar style but at the end of the day um you know, we were a youthful team last year. We had 17 freshmen and sophomore on our roster. And um, at the end of the day, you know, it, some games we lost, we, we would never lose at the end of the year that we did at the beginning of the year. But those are growing pains that each university goes through. And, you know, with the, the rise that we have taken, instead of, you know, um, taking a few years to make the national tournament, we made it in our first full year. And it's, it's straight north on the totem pole. You know, we're there's no room for mistakes and, you know, other programs that may take them five, seven years to make the national tournament. We're making it in our first year that we're eligible and we're, we don't look back, but you have to understand that you're going to go through some growing pains and you got to trust the process. But sometimes as a coach, you have to tell yourself, Hey, this is expected. This is what is normally going to happen. But with the way our success has been, internally i say it's not okay even though it's probably okay and it's a good learning moment you just hate to lose those games that you know you should win all right let me ask you one more on the pro side from your pro time uh you've, you've among the places you played you played 14 games in 2012-13 on the colorado eagles with the loam this is when they were in the echl they're now in the ahl and aaron seacoth who's now the coach of colorado was a player when you played there then he became a coach an assistant coach then he became the head coach won a couple championships then was the assistant at the when they went to the ahl and is now the head coach again do you remember much about playing with Schleekloth and just and just talk about playing in Colorado? Because I went there for a couple of years ago for an AHL playoff game. It was bonkers there with the Cowbells and everything, and and just your time playing there, maybe just in the the ECHL in general, in, in in places like that, and how you know how how unique that can be playing at that those kind of places. 
Yeah, it's great. Um, Schnakes was a great guy. You know, you kind of saw from the beginning that, you know, he, he was a leader in that locker room. He was, even though he was an older guy, you know, I say older, I was 24, 25. He was probably 32, you know, 31, 32. Could be even right around there. But, um, you know, just the way that he brought himself to the rink, the way he, his repetition was, how he treated each rep, um, you know, how he was as a leader, talking in the locker room, speaking. You, you knew he was going to be a coach one day and, you know, you watch how those people are, whether you know you're going to be a coach or not, you follow their lead. Um, and that's one thing that Colorado was great with was the leadership and the veterans that they had in that locker room. Um, they, they knew how to play the game the right way. And they also knew that, you know, in the pro lifestyle that you're going to have your fun, but you also need to show up the next day and you need to be held accountable and you need to, you know, if you're going to, Gonna play guilty sometimes. You better have your A game if that's the case. But um, you know, for his sake, he was always there. He was a great, you know, have his kids around the rink, and you know, you learn those things and how to treat other people. And um, yeah, he's earned everything he's gotten. Nothing's been handed to him, and that's the same way in Colorado that it was for everybody there. You know, you had to earn it under uh, under the coaching staff there. So it was. Um, it was a great time, and that's kind of anywhere in pro hockey. You know, it don't matter what you are. I learned that, you know, after my rookie year in Kalamazoo that, uh, you know, I was told one thing when I signed with Toledo, and eight days before the season starts in training camp, they signed another affiliate. And, you know, I'm at AHL training camp, and, you know, I was one of the last few cut. I go to Toledo. I have eight points in ten games, and they say, hey, we got too many guys coming down. See you later. So, uh, I learned pretty quick that uh, <laughs> you're basically a piece of meat to them, you know, and that I took that mentality from there and you realize that it's every man for themselves and um, you just got to look out for yourself. You got to be the best team player you can be. But at the end of the day, they don't look at you that way. You're just, you're just a piece of meat to them. You're there to help win hockey games. And if they don't think you're going to do it or the big club ahead of them says, Hey, we're sending down four guys. You got to cut four guys. So be it. They don't, they don't care that's that's part of their job so um that's the hockey business you know you're praying somebody above gets hurt and you get called up if not you're you're there until somebody else does so um it's, it's a sad part of the business but it's, it's what happens at every level same with college you know you're on the fifth line yeah you're on the fifth line you're you know you're working you're working your tail off to try and get into that fourth line but at the same time, you don't wish it upon your teammates, but you're like, oh, if somebody feels sick that day, I'm in the lineup, you know, I want that. But, uh, you know, that's that's part of the business, as we say. All right, Tommy, we'll let you go on this one. Um, I always tell our coaches when they come on, especially the first time, this is, this is your opportunity to give a sales pitch uh, to anybody that's listening out there who might listen on the download later. Um, sell them on coming to your program and what, what makes a good fit at Maryville university? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. It's easy. It's easy. You know it. Your program is great. You know what you have to offer to sell it to us. Remember Scott, this is only an hour. Well, sometimes hour and five, <laughs> six minutes show. However long we. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's a great thing. You know, some of these schools are, you know, in the middle of the cornfields is politely, you know, putting it, they got nothing around them here in St. Louis. You know, our campus is 20 minutes from downtown St. Louis. It's 20 minutes from the airport for your family and friends to come visit. You can go to baseball games, hockey games, soccer games. Uh, you know, obviously we got our campus. You've got 
you know, plenty of shopping, eating, dining districts around us. We've got the, you know, St. Louis Zoo here. We've got the aquarium for the animal lovers. You know, you need to be able to do things in the city that you're in away from campus and away from hockey because at some point hockey's going to go bad and the school and the city's going to have to take over. And on the flip side of that, your school's going to be tough. Hockey's got to take over on that to make that balance work. So you're not on a roller coaster ride. As I say, at the highs and lows, you're pretty even keel. Um, and I think that's one great thing that we have at Maryville is, you know, like you said, we've got a four-year, five-year-old complex. You know, it's basically brand, it's brand new built. We've got everything we need there. We've got a, you know, a third-party gym we use inside the rink for warming up. We've got our own ATN uh, training room in there. We got our coaches' offices there. We've got meeting room space there. We've got everything that we can need to put a product out there to be the best. We have it, and that's one of the great things. You get all the seasons here. You get you get summer. You get fall. You get winter. You get spring here. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's not 85 and sunny like it is in Vegas, and it's in uh, Arizona year-round out there, basically, when you're there for school. But um, plenty of things to do. And with Maryville, you know, you're going to get a top-notch education for the for the and the best bang for your buck because we've got your average class size is 14 to 20 students. So you're going to get that interaction with your professors. And then you come to the rink and you're going to be, you know, 25 players on the ice practicing every day, four or five days a week. So you're going to get to be a true student athlete. And you're going to play 28 to 32 games a season for me. Um, so we're going to be a true student athlete. We're going to be playing the best teams. We're going to be traveling. We're going to be flying. We're going to be bussing. Um, and we're going to make sure we give you the best experience possible that sets you up for the real world or the big girl job, as I call it, after hockey. Because at the end of the day, hockey's hockey's going to be fun and it's going to be a hobby after college unless you're able to you know, go play a pro division in Europe. But from 85, 90% of these girls, this is going to be the best four years of their life, playing hockey, building those friendships, building those memories at Maryville University. And with aspirations to win a national championship while they're here. Very well done. See how easy that was? <laughs> I'll tell you, a big, a big thank you uh, to you and John both for, uh, for partnering up with us. That's exactly what we're looking for. As you uh, have probably been told, uh, we renamed this podcast the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 because we wanted to focus on the, the teams that were taking it seriously. And I tell people all the time, there are times I'll be at rinks or airports or other places and I'll see teams come through and it'll be difficult for me to tell whether they're ACHA or they're AAU or their NCAA and that's men and women. So kudos for everything that you're doing there at Maryville. Thanks for spending some time with us tonight and uh, thanks for being a partner with us. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we thank you for getting the publicity out there for all of college hockey and making sure that we're growing the brand, growing the sport. And on the women's side, you know, we're trying to grow it, you know, just like Lindsay is out in Arizona, we're trying to be, you know, he's doing the same thing here in the Midwest and become, you know, the hotbed of the Midwest. Uh, I know John's on the men's side trying to do that. And we, we want to be the leaders of the pack. We don't want to be playing catch up. So that's one thing we're trying to get ahead of the curve. And we appreciate you having us on it. Maybe this reaches somebody that has sparks interest and that's, uh, you know, appreciative of you guys having us on and talking the game and, you know, doing what we love. So I appreciate it. We will definitely get to some of your games. We'll also uh, have you on multiple more times uh, to talk about Saints hockey as the season progresses. So best of luck the rest of the summer. Get that group together on the uh, 
the prospect camp coming up in just a few days and uh, build that roster and let's see you at the national tournament again, okay? Sounds like a plan. Appreciate it. All right. That's the head coach from Maryville University on the women's side, Tommy Lang, joining us. Uh, Stephen and I will be back in just a couple minutes to wrap up another episode of the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast. Championship pedigree world coaching first-class facilities are all a part of the ACHA experience at Adrian College. The Bulldogs look to raise their third national championship banner in the last five years at Arrington Ice Arena, one of the best facilities in all college hockey. With a big school hockey feel with all of the educational advantages of a private education. For more information, go to adrianbulldogs.com or adrian.edu. Looking to extend your hockey career at a high level? Then the University of Georgia could be the place for you. Ice Dogs Hockey is an NCAA-style experience and championship culture combined with classic rivalries, big-time athletics, and an elite academic institution. Go to UGAHockey.com to start your journey and see if you can continue to help build the limitless future ahead for University of Georgia Hockey. Looking to find the right place to fit your academic needs with a chance to play championship-level college hockey? Then Indiana Tech could just be that place. In less than a decade, the Warriors have played for two national championships, appeared in the last four national tournaments, and won six regular season and conference tournaments. Off the ice, majors in not just the tech fields, but communications, criminal justice, and more can get your career off to that same kind of championship start. For more information, visit us online at indianatechwarriors.com or at indianatech.edu. As San Diego State begins its first season of ACHAM1 hockey, be a part of the foundation as the Aztecs look to build a new chapter in the city's long hockey history. In addition to our growing hockey program, the more than 36,000 SDSU students in our many degree programs, from bachelor's to doctorate, enjoy the best of higher education and lifestyle. Go to sdsu.edu to see if our unique, diverse experiences for you, and visit sdsuhockey.com to support the top college hockey program in California. Oklahoma Sooners Hockey, celebrating 20 years of big hits, 20 years of big saves, and 20 years of big goals. Go to OUHockey.net and get your season or single-game tickets to see the Sooners take on national powers, Minot State, Missouri State, and, of course, rival Central Oklahoma. Single-game tickets are just $10 apiece, while OU students and staff are free with their ID. Youth hockey players are also free if they wear their jerseys. 20 years of Oklahoma Sooners Hockey. The action you crave, only faster. As a premier ACHA M1 university, UNLV offers a unique chance to play college hockey. Experience a pro setting in Hockey Mad Las Vegas while you earn your degree in any of our over 300 majors in one of the world's destination cities. If this sounds right for you, then visit us at rebelhockey.com to get your future started today.
When you talk about the best of Las Vegas, you're talking about the best of the best. So when you're at Jesse Ray's Barbecue and you're a three-time winner of the Best of Las Vegas Award, it speaks for itself. At 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson, come and savor our People's Choice Award-winning barbecue ribs. Or maybe just come in and pick up a bottle of our best in Las Vegas barbecue sauce to take home. Open seven days. And for an occasion that will be remembered for a long time, call us for all of your catering projects at Jesse Ray's Barbecue today. When you put on that Central Oklahoma Broncos jersey, you represent a championship culture on the ice and in the classroom. Two-time ACHA M1 national champions, four-time WCHL champions, and named a Best in the West College by U.S. News and World Report, UCO hits all of the benchmarks for an elite college hockey experience. Our Edmond, Oklahoma campus, which is just minutes from downtown Oklahoma City, has over 100 areas of study and over 200 student organizations to help you find your fit. Whether it's our stunning 210-acre campus or our NCAA-level hockey environment, go to uco.edu or ucohockey.com and see if Oklahoma's Metropolitan University is for you. Hear in-depth from the people that make college hockey the great game that it is, on and off the ice. Coaches, players, and other personalities join College Hockey West Weekly, Tuesday nights at 6.30 Pacific Time, live on the Podbean app. Get more than just a soundbite. Search and subscribe to ITHSW Podcasts, all one word, to listen as the show happens, or download it on your favorite podcast platform. All right, welcome back in, hockey fans, to the American Collegiate Hockey Podcast, one of our five podcasts that we do. Live every single week around the calendar. Scott Strandy with you in Bakersfield, California tonight. My co-host is always Stephen Marsh joining me from that championship city of Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen, you know the drill by now. We've done this long enough. Great guest on. I heard something you... ...and the Maryville Women's... Yeah, well, I or no, I just can't is, hear you. Something. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I just okay. <laughs> I, I'm here. Um, <laughs> just you were cutting in and out, so I wasn't sure. I was wanted to make sure you got your question in there. Um, uh, yeah, no, he. You know, I just love the the passion these people have for the what they do, and and they play at this level, or the coach at this the coach this women's team, and again, a fairly new program, what in their third full season coming in this year, and. And it's going to be, uh, you know, they continue to build and build the program. You know, since it's still a fairly new program, everybody's coming back, so you, you don't have a lot of a turnover uh, for for this team. So that that could be an advantage that other teams may not have. Um, it seems like every year they've they've gotten better, so you would just expect that to continue. Is it's pretty much going to be the same group um, again? The, the schedule. You mentioned this, the schedule being one of the tougher schedules. Um, we're seeing that as kind of a common theme. People, I think, which is why the the, the the level of play in the competition has increased is because teams are going out there and playing tougher opponents, tougher schedules. 
and maybe it's making those teams that maybe aren't quite in the cusp really evaluate where they are as a program and they want to be better and maybe eventually they get to be better and then the whole level as a whole is better uh, for the ACHA because it's it's even you've seen that in the men it's it seems like it has been getting better and better each year and then the women's is is getting there so somebody liberty's got to lose at some point here to somebody uh, and be dethroned and <laughs> and uh, we'll see if it's this year and maybe it's Maryville maybe it's uh you know maybe it's another team but um they could stay the champs forever. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, one of the things that I take away is 47 girls this program now. Keep in mind, they're only five years old as a whole facility. Um, so to be, you know, three years, as he said, full-time, um, it, it's pretty incredible that they're getting that kind of numbers. And obviously, that kind of numbers also means that the quality of play is getting better. Um, when you have some players that were were – M1 or W1 in this case last year, and now you have to move them down to W2, and they do it graciously um, for the good of the team or whatever. Uh, that that's pretty cool. Grown years, even I didn't think it was going to grow this quickly. I don't see anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's been really, really fun to see the growth of uh, college hockey on the men's and women's side. As I mentioned, uh, the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 podcast is designed to, uh, to spotlight, highlight, and introduce you to the, the top teams on the, um, the men's non-varsity side and the women's non-varsity side and let them know that they, they compete just as hard as everybody else. So it, it's really pretty cool uh, when you can see this ha- happening, um, you know, around the, uh, uh, the globe and, and certainly within the United States. So we appreciate having Tommy on tonight and talking some hockey with us. Um, they have become partners with us. The first women's team partner of us, the Maryville Saints. We look forward to uh, building a few more on the women's side and a few more on the men's side and continue to grow this great game of hockey. Um, I don't have the read. <laughs> and, and I don't have Steven. So it looks like we're going to say goodnight with a little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, De Niro. Ask everybody to tune in again next week for the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast. Good night, everybody. <laughs>